Chapter 5 of Andreas Vesalius, The Reformer of Anatomy by James Morris Ball. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 5 Sojourn in Paris. One thought was uppermost in the mind of Vesalius, and that was to follow the profession of his ancestors just as in ancient greece the sons of the asclepiadae naturally adopted the vocation of their fathers andreas possessed an excellent preliminary education and was especially proficient in the greek and latin languages he also knew something of hebrew and much of arabic it was in the year fifteen thirty three that the young belgian travelled to paris for the purpose of obtaining a medical education at that time the french capital was the mecca of the medical world paris that city where classical medicine first secured support ubi primum medicanum prosperi renasci vidimus in paris under the leadership of budius humanism had enjoyed a rapid growth and here petros brisotas after gaining the doctor's cap in the year fifteen fourteen produced a revolution by delivering his lectures from the books of galen in place of the treaties of averroes and of avicenna at his own expense brissotus published leonacinus translation of galen's ars curitavi in order that his pupils might not be misled by the incorrect text of the arab authors it will be recalled that long before this time classical greek and latin medical literature had passed through the distorting crucible of saracenic translations at this period medical science purified from arabic dross was taught in a splendid manner in paris by such eminent professors as jacobus silvius jean fernel and winter of anternach at their feet sat young men from the remotest parts of europe the most popular of the paris teachers was jacobus silvius or jacques dubois whose latinized name is perpetuated in anatomical nomenclature he was born at louvis near amiens in fourteen seventy eight in his early years he was noted for his scholarly attainments in the greek latin and hebrew languages and was the author of a french grammar his anatomical knowledge was gained under jean tagot a famous parisian practitioner and surgical author Silvius silvius was noted for his industry for his eloquence and above all for his avarice it was the inordinate desire for money which led him to abandon philology for medicine while studying under tagault he began a course of medical lectures explanatory of the works of hippocrates and galen with such success that the faculty of the university of paris protested on the score that silvius was not a graduate he then went to montpellier whose medical professors had long held a high position where according to astruc he received the doctor's cap at the end of november fifteen twenty nine he was then above fifty years of age armed with this degree he returned to paris and immediately entered the list as an independent medical teacher but was again halted by the faculty who ruled that he must first receive the bachelor's degree this he gained on june twenty eighth fifteen thirty one silvius then resumed his lectures with such success that his classes at the college de Tregueux numbered from four to five hundred while fernel who was a professor in the college de corneille 
lectured to almost empty benches in fifteen fifty henry the second named silvius professor of medicine as the successor of vidus vidius in the recently established collège de france silvius died january thirteenth fifteen fifty five and was interred in the pauper cemetery as he had wished silvius was not only an eloquent lecturer but he was also a demonstrative teacher he was the first professor in france who taught anatomy from the human cadaver in his lectures on botany he used a collection of plants to elucidate the subject his chief fault was a blind reverence for ancient authors he regarded galen's writings as gospel if the cadaver presented structures unlike galen's description the fault was not in the book but in the dead body or perchance human structure had changed since galen's time in one of his early books silvius declared that galen's anatomy was infallible that galen's treatise de usu partium was divine and that further progress was impossible the character of silvius was contemptible he was a man of vast learning and at the same time was rough coarse and brutal his avarice led him to endure the cold winters of paris without the benefit of a fire in severe weather he would play at football or engage in other violent exercise in his room to save the cost of fuel once and once only did his friends find him hilarious they wondered and asked the cause sylvia said he was happy because he had dismissed his three beasts his mule his cat and his maid he was notoriously rigid in exacting his fees from students and on one occasion he threatened to stop his lectures until two delinquents should pay their dues although he was supposed to have amassed great wealth little of it was found after his death and those sums were secreted in secluded places in sixteen sixteen when his former residence in the rue st jacques was demolished numerous gold pieces were found his reputation for miserliness followed him beyond the grave as witness his epitaph silvius hic situs est gratis qui nil dedit unquam mortuus et gratis quod leges esta dolet silvius lies here who never gave anything for nothing being dead he even grieves that you read these lines for nothing in controversies he was a violent and vindictive a past master in the use of bitter language jealous of the fame of other anatomists he was particularly enraged when in later years he was opposed by vesalius silvius spoke of him not as vesalius but as vesanus a madman who poisoned europe by his impiety and clouded knowledge by his blunders such was the man who in the mid part of the sixteenth century filled the position of highest honor in the medical faculty of the collège de france silvius rendered valuable service in naming the muscles which prior to his time were designated by numbers these says northcote were differently applied by almost every author so that it was the description and not the name that must lead one to know what part was meant by such authors and this required a previous thorough knowledge of anatomy he is the first writer who mentions coloured injections and is supposed to have discovered this useful adjunct of anatomical study 
he was the first anatomist who published satisfactory descriptions of the pterygoid and clinoid processes of the sphenoid bone and of the os anguis he gave a good account of the sphenoidal sinus in the adult but denied its existence in the child as had been affirmed by fallopius sylvius also wrote intelligently concerning the vertebra but incorrectly described the sternum his observation concerning the valves in the veins gave rise to much discussion the honour of priority in the discovery however belongs to other anatomists estienne and Cananus. his discoveries in cerebral anatomy have caused his name to be attached to the aqueduct the fissure and the artery of sylvius the manner in which Silvius conducted his anatomical course is known to us by his own writings, by the testimony of Moreau, and by that of Vesalius. Thus, the course for the year 1535 began with the reading, by Silvius, of Galen's treatise De Usu Partium. When the middle of the first book was reached, Silvius remarked that the subject was too difficult for his students to understand, and that he would not plague his class with it he then jumped to the fourth book read all to the tenth book discussed a part of the tenth and omitting the eleventh twelfth and thirteenth he took up the fourteenth and the remaining three books thus he omitted all that galen had said concerning the extremities a second galenic work which sylvius used was the anatomica physiologic treatise de musculorum motu not infrequently the professor was unable to demonstrate in dissection the parts on which he had lectured thus on one occasion the students succeeded in finding the pulmonary and aortic valves which sylvius had failed to find on the preceding day hannes quintilius andernach another famous member of the paris faculty of this period and a man whose life story reads like a romance was johannes quintilius the beggar of deventer quintilius gontier quinter quitter winter or winter who is often called john winter of andernach from the name of the town in which he was born lived between the years fourteen eighty seven to fifteen seventy four and rose to eminence in both the literary and medical worlds born of humble parents he was sent at an early age to the university of utrecht leaving this institution because of his poverty he went to deventer where he was reduced to the necessity of begging in the streets he drifted to the university of marburg and here displayed such brilliant talents that he soon obtained employment as a teacher in the small town of gosler in brunswick his growing reputation for learning led to his appointment to the chair of greek in the noted university of louvain desiring to study medicine Quintarius went to paris in fifteen twenty five he received the bachelor's degree in fifteen twenty eight and the full medical title two years later he passed a brilliant examination which won for him the commendation of the most eminent professors remaining in paris he engaged in practice and in teaching and rapidly rose to eminence in addition to conducting courses in anatomy he translated into latin the writings of the most noted greek medical authors of antiquity the books of galen of oribasius of paul of agena of caelius aurelianus and of alexander of tralles 
all of which were held in high esteem in the sixteenth century his fame reached far beyond the boundaries of france christian the third the enlightened king of denmark who was noted for his love of literature sought to attach him to the danish court but the honour was refused having become a convert to the religious views of luther winterius found that his life was in danger he left paris and resided for a time in metz he soon removed to strasbourg where he was received with distinguished honours and was appointed to a professorship in the university owing to the activity of his enemies his position became insecure accordingly he resigned his chair and spent a considerable time in travelling throughout germany and italy in the year fifteen sixty two ferdinand i in appreciation of the great merits of Guinterius, raised him to the highest distinction by placing him among the nobles of the land and thus the beggar of deventer became a nobleman of strasbourg his life ended october fourth fifteen seventy four like silvius Guinterius was a teacher of men who became greater than himself vesalius servetus and rondelet sat upon his benches like silvius he placed his faith in galen and failed to grasp the great truth that anatomical science is based not on the writings of the fathers but on the dissection of the dead body jean fernel the third bright star of the paris constellation was jean fernel of amiens who was regarded as the ablest physiologist of his time and was physician in ordinary to henry the second fernel dipped deeply into philosophy geometry and mathematics before entering the medical profession he issued three books on mathematics and geometric subjects he received the medical degree in fifteen thirty but continued his study of mathematics with such ardor that he was almost ruined financially on the advice of his friends he entered upon the practice of medicine in paris and met with remarkable success he was skilled in anatomy and surgery and accompanied his sovereign upon numerous military expeditions his medical writings are contained in many volumes and concern a variety of subjects such as physiology therapeutics surgery pathology the treatment of fevers and the venereal diseases fernel's medical views were powerfully influenced by the teachings of an unfortunate french philosopher pierre de la ramee or ramus who like many other protestants lost his life on st bartholomew's night brutally assassinated his body was dragged through the streets of paris and then was thrown into the seine but his system of philosophy survived and exercised a potent influence until it was eclipsed by the doctrines of descartes ramus who was an uncompromising opponent of the aristotelian philosophy pointed out the defects and suggested the reforms in the system of university education he compared the teaching of medicine with that of theology much to the disparagement of the latter the reason said he why medicine is better taught and the lectures are better attended than in theology is that those who teach it know it and practise it and their disputations are chiefly on the books of hippocrates and galen whilst the theologians observe a strict reticence on questions of the old testament which they read in hebrew as well as of the new which they read in greek 
but display their learning in subtle questions respecting the pagan philosophy of plato and aristotle ramu endeavoured to withdraw the minds of both physicians and medical students from the authoritative dogmas of the ancient physicians and to substitute therefore the intelligent study of nature the practical trend of his mind is shown in his suggestion that institutions should be arranged for clinical teaching just as ramu had become an eclectic in philosophy so fernel sought the best from various sources and different medical systems like ramu he cast off the yoke which authority had placed upon him and proposed carefully planned principles which should lead to the discovery of truth like ramu fernel presented his views in a clear style and in better order than was to be found in the writings of his predecessors like ramu he adopted the good and rejected the bad regardless of whether it had been said by aristotle or by galen or by hippocrates fernel was a reformer who stood for freedom of thought which up to his time had suffered from the despotism of the scholastics although many of fernel's physiologic and pathologic ideas seem ridiculous when viewed in the light of modern knowledge yet he deserves praise for daring to oppose ancient dogmas and for pointing the road to progress in breadth of view fernel was far superior to sylvius and quintarius the anatomical teaching in paris in the early part of the sixteenth century was far from satisfactory there was too much lecturing and theorizing from galen's text and too little of actual dissection vesalius who was not backward in his criticisms says that the dissections were made by ignorant barbers and during the whole time that he was in paris he never saw guinterius use a knife upon a cadaver only at rare intervals was a human body brought into the amphitheatre and then the dissection lasted less than three days it comprised only a superficial study of the intestines and abdominal muscles no other muscles were studied the bones veins arteries and nerves were almost wholly ignored the great lights of the paris profession were totally unfit to give to the young belgian what was his heart's desire they were ignorant and knew it not it is not surprising that on more than one occasion vesalius brushed the ignorant prosectors aside took the knife into his own hands and carried out the dissection in a systematic manner his zeal and learning won the admiration of quintilius who spoke of vesalius and servetus in loving terms first andreas vesalius a young man by hercules of singular zeal in the study of anatomy and second michael villanovanus servetus deeply imbued with learning of every kind and behind none in his knowledge of the galenic doctrine with the aid of these two i have examined the muscles veins arteries and nerves of the whole body and demonstrated them to the students vesalius must have had many blue days in paris days when he longed to have a free hand in dissection a weaker character than his would have fitted peacefully into the established order of things but not of such stuff was andreas made the difficulties which beset his path only stimulated him to work the harder he firmly resolved to devote his energy his talents and his life to anatomical study and teaching he decided to secure the opportunity to dissect the human body and to rival the ancient alexandrian professors who taught the subject 
never he says would i have been able to accomplish my purpose in paris if i had not taken the work into my own hands the book of nature which sylvius lauded but kept his pupils from studying was now opened by vesalius he dissected numerous dogs and studied the only part of human anatomy that was available namely the bones in his research for materials for a skeleton he haunted the cemetery of the innocents on one occasion when he went to montfaucon the place where the bodies of executed criminals were deposited and bones were plentiful vesalius and his fellow-student were attacked by fierce dogs for a time the young anatomist was in danger of leaving his own bones to the hungry scavengers by such dangers he gained what the paris professors could not supply he became a master of the osseous system so much so that when blindfolded he was able to name and describe any part of the skeleton which was placed in his hands his talents were recognized by both professors and students and at the third anatomy which he attended in paris he was requested to take charge of the dissection to the satisfaction of the students as well as to the astonishment of the barbers he made an elaborate dissection of the abdominal organs and of the muscles of the arm End of chapter five